1: How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV.
2: We acknowledge the Ghana people, the traditional owners of the land the upcoming game is played on and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging.
0: Welcome to
2: the
3: 2021 AFL Premiership Season on AFL Nation.
1: Curls it into the pocket. Cameron wants it. Cameron gets it. DeSille with standing start. Lash the ball toward the goal. Oh, that's a moment of inspiration from the skipper. Bolton's still ready. Ready to rise. And take a magnificent
2: mark. 50 from goal. Kept it alive. 48 from goal. Goes with the banana. It'll be the miracle. He runs around and bombs a goal.
4: Smith.
2: He scored. He shoots. It's the, stuff of his at the, top of the
1: game. Welcome to AFL Nation. The final series of 2021 is about to roar to life and just as the case as was the case last year the stepping off points is Adelaide Oval for Port Adelaide and Geelong in a qualifying final. They're set to meet in front of 20 odd thousand in the city of churches and send us on our way through this opening weekend with all the possibilities contained therein. Gerard Waitley with you on AFL Nation as we hit the finals. Anthony Hudson's with me. Hello to you, Huddo. Hello,
5: Gerard, and hello, everyone. Happy finals. It feels like we've been here before, doesn't it, does. it Gerard? You and I, yeah, anxious Geelong supporters. The vision <laughs> on our computer of Kane corns over there at, uh, at the Adelaide Oval, getting ready to see his former team in action and our two experts around us. And... Um, <laughs> (laughs) Boy, what a week it's been with all that's been going on uh, off the field and all the awards. It's been uh, hard to keep your head around all of it, but uh, we step into the finals, as you said, tonight. and Can't wait. We didn't have to wait through
1: a bye round to get here. No, I know you love Place. that. I love that. Jared Healy, good evening. Good evening,
4: Jared and Hutto and everybody. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, let's get stuck straight into it. I'm not sure how we're going to go with a buy round, which is actually a two-week hiatus between the prelim and the grand final. But what a night tonight. I can understand why you blokes uh, are touch nervous. I didn't think you had to wear your Geelong jumpers in. <laughs> I thought that's probably going a little bit too far, Jordan. But tonight it's, for Ken Hinkley, I reckon it's blind faith, or does he make structural change? Because Tom Hawkins has butchered them so many times in the last two years. Surely he can't go with Trent McKenzie again. We'll get to the details about why. Surely, but uh, looking forward to it. And if uh, the if the Cats don't belt him in the middle, I think you're in a bit of trouble, you blokes. Jordan Lewis, hello. G'day, boys. Uh, right off the top,
3: I'd love to. I, I I came here. I was rushing out the door. I, I'd forgotten to have dinner yet. I arrive here. Jared has organised Tommy Ruffs to be delivered upstairs, and I'm full, <laughs> as a state school hat rack. So it is. Uh, it's a good start to the night it's when you come here and the unexpected the happens, and you get a bit of Tommy Ruffs in this tummy.
4: The southern fish is your speciality. Oh, specialty. that
3: southern fried fish. Tell if you I thought haven't Thought you could have left to, a piece for us. If you haven't be? been down to Tommy Ruff with the southern fried fish, do yourself a favour. Now
4: there's a number of play- players in the All Australian side who are regarded as accumulators. Well, when the fish and chips is around, Jordan Lewis <laughs> is one of the all-time great accumulators.
3: I, I think there's certain foods in life that you, you're immune to, and I, I could eat fish and chips until <laughs> there was nothing left and and not feel terribly full. But um, you're right. The, on another note, the finals <laughs> is <upon> a <laughs> <Another us>. note. <laughs> and uh, I'm full. I'm ready to go. I, this is this is what you play for. There's there's eight sides that get forgotten about. There's eight sides that have. Um, played consistently enough and well enough to, to qualify for the finals. But it is an even slate. No matter where you finish on the table, it is an even slate. And tonight provides a, an opportunity with with different stories, I suppose. Port Adelaide have been challenged throughout the year and, and questioned, are they a top four side? Are they a genuine premiership contender? Well, they're there. They've got a chance against Geelong tonight. Who? How much do you think back to last week, the, the second half in which they allowed Melbourne to come back into the game? How much of that is residual from last week?
1: where we'd all like to be is with Kane Corns in the broadcast box at Adelaide Oval. Kane, good evening to you. Good evening,
6: Jared, and uh, good evening to the guys back there. Yeah, magnificent night here in Adelaide. Could not get a better day, a better night for football. Very still. The sun's been out all day. The Oval looks absolutely magnificent. 20,000 fans will be here. It doesn't sound like a lot, but can guarantee you they'll be making a lot of noise. And both coaches under a fair amount of pressure, I reckon. Ken Hinckley, 4-4 four and four in his finals career, hasn't made it to a grand final yet after two, two prelim finals. And, and Chris Scott, well, is at the last roll of the dice with this squad who is getting upwards of age, one of the oldest in the competition, and their recent record in finals despite making the grand final last year. So set up for an absolute beauty on Friday night footy.
1: What's the mood in the town been, Kane? Last year it was 22,000, so it's only a whisker off where you were last year. It's been a bit flat, Jared, just
6: because of the grand final announcement. I think there's uh, a bit of resentment towards the government for not having a crack. Uh, I get the feeling the AFL may have even preferred to have the grand final here, and all they were really asking for was for 40,000. I'm not sure the South Australian government had a fair income crack. They knocked that back, so it's been a little bit disappointing, considering perhaps the opportunity that Port Adelaide have. They Increase the capacity 5,000. Yesterday it was, and those tickets were snapped up pretty quickly, as you can imagine. So it's just been a frenzy to get your tickets. But the overwhelming opportunity lost to not have a serious crack about the grand final is um, one of a, a little bit of resentment, particularly from the Port
1: Adelaide fans this week. What's so you're only at 20,000? Is we were still at 15? It's a little while since there's been any COVID in your community, isn't it? Been
6: ages, yeah. It's been, I, I think it's around 20 days. It may even be a touch more. I'm not exactly sure. Um, they're they're just quite cautious, as you can imagine. I mean, one case, uh, and it's and it all goes downhill. But yeah, to think that you can have 75% capacity in a bar, like I can walk in indoors into a bar and it be 75% full, but I can't come to an outdoor stadium with lower risk and have it at least 50%, which is uh, the science hasn't really made sense to me throughout the whole thing. And and
1: that's been highlighted again this week. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. So Jared, Jordan and Kane, just give us a little taster of what's coming before Nigel Lappin joins us from the Cats camp.
4: Well, I think what's coming is uh, two groups of players who know that the time is running out, particularly uh, the 30-pluses, and both clubs have got them. Travis Bokes, a big night for him. It's a big night for Robbie Gray. It's a big night for Paddy Dangerfield, and uh, those 30-pluses haven't got across the line. But they also know they're just three wins away from a flag. So they are three wins away from achieving everything they've set out from uh, the time they were eight years old, putting on the old Adidas boots, uh, polishing them up, getting the photos out of their superstars and becoming a superstar themselves. And now it's just... It's so close. But they've all been there before and suffered the disappointment. So
5: before we do... With all the matchup, there's so many questions around both ends of the ground. But in the end, as you alluded to, it- do we all think it's ultimately going to be decided just around the footy? Like, is it really going to come down to the grunt around the footy or will it be the more intricate stuff at either end of the ground that decides it? Oh, I think it's a combination of, of everything. Uh, the, clearly, the midfield battle
3: gives you territory, but it's uh, how do you deal with a lear or lear down one end? How do you deal with you know, Isaac Smith on a wing if he gets on top of you and starts running on top of the ground and, and enables them to transition the ball? I, I think the, that the midfield battle, in a sense, is... Um, it's, it's not that it's hard to read, but they will get equal opportunity, you would imagine, throughout the night. It's, it's the, the moments that matter, which um, usually have the highest consequences, which are in your forward 50. If you make mistakes in your forward 50, whether it be defence or attack, that can punish you, and that can, that can have a, a big say
4: in how the game goes. I think Geelong have to win and win well around the ball. I'm not sure how they're going to do that, but I think they do because their defence just looks reasonably weak to me. I mean, the, the loss of uh, Tom Stewart, I think, is significant, not just in intercepting marks uh, and turning it around, but also just his delivery and yep. his his uh, sharing the ball and uh, counter attacking And whilst there's a lot of energy goes into talking about Dixon and Laddams and Marshall, no Georgiades, I still think they're most dangerous on the ground. Now, King Charlie may get hold of them, but... Gray, Fantasia, Motlop, and Rosie, who kicked uh, five goals against them last time out, uh, I think is a serious, serious uh, weapon. And at the other end of the ground, and I'll be interested in uh, Kane's thoughts on this, Tom Hawkins in 2020 kicked six goals against Trent McKenzie in the home and away, or against uh, Port Adelaide. Cl- uh, it was against Cleary. Yeah. And then they, then they moved over and put Trent McKenzie on him, and the records will show that he kicked no goals. <laughs> And that was in the final. But it was actually zero goals, six behind. And he took nine marks in the forward 50. And in 2021, four goals, four and 11 score involvement. So I'm not sure you can go back to the well with Trent McKenzie. If you do, I think it's blind faith. And I'm not sure... He's got too many other options, but except he needs a Lear a to come over the top and and support him. So I interviewed him yesterday, Jared uh,
6: Trent McKenzie, and yep. he, he put his hand up. He said, "I'm I'm going to him, so I'll do it again." I, I think what's overlooked with that that zero goals five that they, a lot of those shots were wide. So if there's one credit you could give McKenzie, you could say that he did force him wide and uh, force him to have his shots from difficult spots. But your point, no matchup. Uh, that's that's the one because Jonas is Rowan. For me, yeah, that's that's the obvious one. Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure they've got an ideal matchup for Cameron either. I don't think that's Ali. I'd much rather him coming off as that interceptor. He's just been in rare form, so that that's where it's at. I mean, it's it's there. Can Can Geelong's midfield get a hold of Port Adelaide and get enough ball supply for those three forwards who have
4: a pretty good record, as you said, against Port Adelaide. Well, we had vision. I can remember on the couch of uh, Cameron and Ali going head to head, and by the third quarter, Ali was starting to blow. And by midway through the last quarter, Alia Alia was looking for the stretcher. So I just don't know how he can play on Cameron for the whole match. He no, can go there for periods. Though, won't they? They, won't surely they? they have, yes. Yeah. Well, but, I, I think. But who's the options? Yeah, I, I think both both sides are so
3: reliant on midfield pressure. If if you allow Geelong to come out the front, it doesn't matter who the matchups are. If you allow Port Adelaide to come out the front, it won't matter who the matchups are. So midfield pressure force them back, force them to the, to have those dump kicks allows the other players that. We all know the way that teams defend. They defend their own man, but they're relying on pressure, that high kick, to be able to get over an intercept. That's what both sides will rely on if they're going to have mismatches in their in their forward half.
1: So let's bring Geelong's assistant coach, Nigel Lappin, into our conversation. Nigel, great to have you back on AFL Nation.
0: Thanks for having me, Jared. Pleasure. What's, hey
1: what's the 24 hours been like in South Australia? What, what limitations have you had? Uh,
0: we've had a few, but at the same time, um, we've been able to spend a fair bit of time together which has been been really nice um, just allowed out for brekkie um, we came down to Adelaide Oval for a walk this morning at nine o'clock we had an hour down here had a beautiful day and sun. Um, guys uh, were able to prep pretty well um, and enjoy um, some relaxing time and then back to the hotel for another hour together at lunch and then rooms Um, afterwards. A lot of the guys tend to have a rest game day anyway, so uh, they're well prepared and looking forward to the opportunity.
1: How regimented, how supervised are you (laughs) during
0: this period? Um, Well, our COVID officer, he's pretty pretty strict on on what we need to do, which is fair enough. Um, In terms of the players, they're a very experienced group of the players. We've only got a few young guys in the team tonight, so they're looking forward to the the opportunity and and getting out there and having a crack. And and the players, because we've got a such experienced group of guys, they've had a really relaxed day.
3: Nigel, no, how delicate was the Mitch Duncan decision? We, we heard Chris Scott speak about how he could have played previously, but how delicate was it? Was it just a, a no-brainer, or were there still some conversations around it?
0: There um, certain, certainly some um, good conversation with Chris and, and Mitch themselves, and it's really difficult. Once... You've got a a gun um, player like Mitch available and the medical staff said he's he's okay to go. He's had a good two and a half week training block behind him as well. That's probably what a lot of people don't realise. So um, they are difficult conversations. If you can guarantee that you're going to win tonight without him, then obviously you might take that risk. But he he said he's ready to go and, and we need our best players out there and it gives him match practice. So we're really excited about having him out there tonight, obviously.
3: Nigel, how much has been spoken about the finals campaign and um, you know over the, the off-season you've reloaded with players again. It's, it's clearly the time. Is it is it something that you address as a coaching staff to the players? Do they feel like they need to to speak about what they haven't been able to achieve over the last couple of years or it is just left to be and, and concentrate on one game at a time?
0: Yeah, they did that at the right time at the back end of, of last year. Um, touched on it again at the start of the year, but this year has just been focusing purely on on what makes us play well, trying to um, double down on on our game style and make sure that we nail all the pieces of that. So we've got a really good prep. um, for this week in particular, it's been a short week that we trained well um, when we got our chance this week and the guys are um, are raring to go.
4: Nigel, Mark O'Connor's an interesting one. He can play tag midfield or he can play as a smallish defender and you've got plenty of options for both. Gray, Fantasia, Motlop and Rosie or you've got Boke and probably uh, Amon if uh, you decide to play him through the middle of the ground. I, I suspect Drew will uh, tag either Selwood or Dangerfield. Uh, do you respond in kind or is he going to start in the back half?
0: Oh, the good thing with him is, is we've got options. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give that up, Jared. but he's um, he's a really good quality player for us, whether he plays down back or he plays in the midfield. He's really competitive beast he loves the opportunity to play on good players and and no matter where he lines up tonight he'll be he'll be on a, a good player and he'll be doing a really good job for us.
4: He's in finals mode Jared he's not giving as much as usual. <laughs> <but laughs> if, if, if you were playing um for Brisbane as you did uh <laughs> would you prefer him uh tagging you as a mid or as a as a half forward?
0: That's that's a good question um neither I don't yeah. think he's uh, as I said he's a wonderful player he's as I said, his mindset is second to none mm-hmm. um, with that. He really looks forward to the challenge. When I know when the coaches go up to him and let him know that he's got a job, he gets really excited and he, he does the work that he needs to do on those players. Um, and as I say, he's a wonderful competitor and he's a pretty talented player in a lot of areas and he's going to develop really well for us over the next... He's already in our leadership group, but over the next four or five years, he's going to be a wonderful player for us.
4: Kane, he hasn't even got broken ribs and he's still not giving us anything. (laughs) (laughs) He's giving us nothing.
6: So I don't know if it's pointless asking this question, Nige, but last time you played Port Adelaide, you out-coached Port Adelaide. You had um, Radagalia starting in the ruck. He went forward. I understand Radagalia's not playing. But the games that you'll play tonight, because I thought you really exposed Port Adelaide forward of the ball with those three that kicked 12, but also Radagalia last time. Will you do it?
0: Yeah, um, definitely can't give that one up. Um, corndy but um, (laughs) again what I will say is we we, yeah definitely we've got options Um, we've got a wonderful group of of forwards up there both tall and small Um, we've got obviously uh, it's been really exciting having Jeremy Cameron um, combined with Hawke and Gary Rowan goes unheralded a lot in in, um, our forward line not only is he a a great player in his own right when he gets his opportunities but the pressure he's able to apply on the opposition helps us enormously in our front half and We've obviously got the option of rolling Reese Stanley forward and 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 playing a bit taller if we need to, um, and the option of bringing um, Air in if we need to as well.
4: Nigel, are you more worried about Port's ground ball players or their aerial players? Well,
0: oh, they're they're both really good. Um, so obviously <laughs> Dixon's a quality player um, for them, and Laddams has been in really good form as well. Um, but it's it's their smalls that are absolutely dynamic and they're quality players like. Butters is just an absolute star with his, his ability and his um, decision-making in the front half, as is Rosie. Um, so, And Robbie Gray's just been an absolute um, jet for the competition for, you know, throughout his career. So the boys will have their hands full. As I said before, um, Scala has those guys trained in it. They're really excited about the opportunity, and this is what it's all about, getting to play the best on their home on deck. And it's really nice to have some fans at the game as well, and the players are looking forward to that.
4: Jordan, I think Mark O'Connor's going to butters.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll join those two names up then right now, Hey, Lebe, how, how much was made of the second half of last week? Or is it just one of those things where you go, every, everything went wrong, we couldn't necessarily stop anything and we move on? Or is there some good lessons to learn coming into finals?
0: Absolutely, some good lessons. So we, we went through that um, post game. You know, it's hard to know in those situations. Like our fundamentals were, were, were poor, but. Um, you know, the psychology comes into that as well. So um, we've been able to address that. As I said, gives us an opportunity just to, to fine-tune what we need to do um, in those situations in a final. Um, really good when you get to live it in those situations. And um, if we get in that situation tonight, we're really confident the guys will um, will handle it really well, as they have for a long time. We, we don't lose many close games here.
5: Nigel, can I just ask you about the 300-gamer Tom Hawkins and just the mindset over the years and if that's changed and how he's been able to be so good in the back end of his career. Obviously, he's had the physical impediments with the back that he's got right. That's one key thing. But is there anything else that's led to him being so good as his normally
0: career would be winding down? Yeah, so less responsibility in some respects around the the footy club with the leadership commitments um, has really helped Tom um, relax away from the footy club and take a bit of the burden off off of him and feel like he has to carry, um, him and Joel have to carry the team on their shoulders. Some extra leadership, you know, guys like Patty um, brought in and, and obviously as we just spoke about with Jez, has, has really helped him. He gets really excited um, playing with, with those type of players, but also with, uh, with the younger guys as well. He's a real father figure for our um, footy club. He has a lot of functions at his house. He loves doing that stuff. Um, and as he's become a father, he's, um, Lee Matthews used to say this to us all the time as players, like when you become a father, you just become a much more giving person. Um, and he, uh, he's been a, a terrific contributor for us for a long time and, and someone that we've been able to rely on consistently. Um, he's been a great performer, obviously, but he's been super durable as well and we wish him well tonight.
5: Usually, Jerry, when an ex-Brisbane line player tells a story about Lee, they imitate his voice, but Nigel
1: <laughs> hasn't gone down the path. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very very much respect. respect. Nigel, you yeah. in a meeting. Thanks for your time and good luck. Thanks, guys. Good Nigel Leppin, assistant coach out of Geelong. Could you feel the tension? Yeah. I've, I've, it's I've, different. They both should be feeling the tension. These yeah. are the two teams who came out of last year with the most brood over. And one lived the preliminary final heartbreak loss on home turf against the team of the era, and you have a year to stew on it, and you have to blanch and flag again on qualifying final night. The other's the... The runner-up and the journey. So, these are the two journeys that usually propel somebody back to it. Jared, you misinterpreted me.
4: I'm talking about you and Hutter. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel it. It's, it's palpable in here, Jordan. But,
3: but you're right. I mean, we interviewed him recently. He was more giving of, of some answers. Right now, there's, mm. a, there's absolutely yeah. a stealing I was mindset. going to ask
5: who should plant Toby Green tomorrow. Well, really... Maybe some of, yeah, some of the other games. <laughs>
3: Yeah, It's extraordinary and Kane mentioned it before about Hawkins and the shots wide that, that has become a, an issue for them in the last month of football. their, their, their scores per inside 50 and, mm-hmm. and quite often they go to that to that wide kick which you know is where the defender gives you some, some space and they're very hard to con, you know, to, to convert. I, I'd love to see them attack the goal square more often tonight really put the, the Port Adelaide defenders under pressure because that, but
4: when yeah. Tom's on
3: Tom nails those goals. Yeah, but if he doesn't mark it and and it comes to ground, there's not much room to rove those balls mm-hmm. because you've got the boundary line. If you hit the top of the goal square, and he's not going to get out marked. So that ball is coming to ground. And then once the defender gets it, where they go next is just a dump kick outside yep. forward 50. So you get those repeat entries at well. So I think that's... It's probably the one flaw in their game over the last month, just their decision making going inside Ford 50. He's got it. To... So I just
6: wonder on that, Hutto, the, the Dangerfield factor as well, because yep. Drew, as you rightly highlighted, will will go to Dangerfield. They, they don't want to get burnt like they got burnt by Martin in the prelim final. It one of Ken Hinckley's biggest coaching mistakes, I think, in the ten years that he's been in the job, is to allow Dustin Martin to roam free. Now, it's tricky because of the role that he plays, and there's not an ideal matchup. So Drew will go to Dangerfield, but. The surprise tactic. He's a master, Chris Scott. He's he's coming up with something. And last time, as I said, he out-coached Ken Hinkley from the coach's box and they didn't have an answer. He may start forward. I just Mm. get an indication for that reason that Jordan's highlighting their inefficiency going forward. How much time Dangerfield spends forward with Duncan back into the side and their midfield's pretty stacked Uh, will be one for me to watch tonight at the ground level.
1: So there are markers of the times, not the least fact that we're all sitting here in a studio together and yep. there's two finals in Launceston but the biggest of all is Nick Hines yeah. who mm. Essendon lose because he's had a fateful trip to Altona Gate shopping centre which subsequently has been ruled as a tier two site in the time that he was there and thus he's not allowed to fly into Tasmania. I scratch my head when I hear players going to, to
3: big shopping centres
4: yeah, uh, I agree with if you. If I'm a player... He's, lu- I am, he's unlucky,
3: but he's, absolutely. he's but I'm still... Coming into the most important part of the year, I am limiting my movement to get fuel to my car or go to the club and, and train at the club. Everything else I would get delivered for the fact that you might unluckily get exposed at a, at a site. I just couldn't believe it. Now, I'm, with, a... I'm,
6: I'm with you. I'm with, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. Like, it sounds brutal, doesn't it? But it's a, yeah. just the... I mean, we've had enough examples this year. I mean, so if if it's the first one we saw, you know, the the Sydney stuff that happened with Mills and Green, you you sort of think, okay, they're they're really unlucky. Um, Would I have gone to a rugby match? Absolutely not in, in these times. But when it's the fifth, sixth, seventh example of a player getting caught up in a situation like this and it's final, so you've got one game potentially left in the season... I'm with you. I'm I'm outdoors getting petrol pay at the pump, and that's about it.
5: It's the current equivalent of water skiing in the (laughs) (laughs) off-season.
4: But it's a great shame. Don't don't go back there. He has been one of the uh, (laughs) excellent players, a real find, uh, the classic money ball recruitment. But I do also, uh, I think you raise a really good point, Kane, and that is, you know, just how frustrating it must be to be Gil McLaughlin knowing that 75% in a bar and you can get 20,000 people at the footy. That, to me, is an overreach. But uh, our good friend uh, Nicola, is, uh, she's been overreaching for a lot. It was interesting listening to Chris Scott
5: speak during the week to her. There was a lot of things he wanted to say, mm. I think, about uh, the frustrations and he was trying to parlay it on to the AFL for them to say, but they don't want to say because of what they're facing dealing with governments. Can I
1: put the frighteners up here? Two positives in Western Australia.
5: Mm. Uh,
1: well, yeah. getting... What
4: part of Western Australia?
1: No, that's as much as I've seen. You.
5: Kane, you might be. Nicola wow. might have to get ready over there. <laughs> Wow, well, all all the
6: AFL officials and media people left yesterday. Oh, Oh, that's right. Oh, (laughs) no. They they started there, so they'd be, they would have got there this morning or yesterday. That'd be day one of quarantine with 13 days to go for maybe nothing. Oh, I hadn't
1: thought of that, Kane. That's brilliant. The all new Hyundai Tucson is here, and it's loaded with comfort driving and safety technologies, meaning you can drive with total confidence. It's no wonder Tucson's been awarded car sales best midsides SUV award for 2021 test drive the all-new Hyundai Tucson today as Hutto alluded to it's been one of the biggest well it has been the biggest week of the footy year there's been stuff every day and every night Carlton have bought themselves a place On the front end of that, there's the All-Australian side to look through the Hall of Fame inductees were announced. So there's all manner of material before we settle down and delve right into Port Adelaide and Geelong and set up the rest of this opening weekend of finals in this AFL season. It is second qualifying final night from Adelaide Oval. Port Adelaide hosting Geelong to start this 2021 final series. Our experts are in place for Car Sales. Sell your car in 24 hours with Car Sales instant offer. Jared Healy, Kane Corns is at the ground, and Jordan Lewis alongside Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson. the The biggest subject of the week has been Carlton, who who got there yesterday in the decision that they wanted to make. They sacked the coach, David Teague, and didn't do much else. Jared Healy, how have you read, with a lot of experience of these things throughout the year, how have you read how Carlton performed this week? Oh, I think this week is a bit like most of the other weeks. I
4: think they uh, handled it poorly in its relationship to Teague. I think uh, one of the things in a footy club that makes footy clubs is ultimately you've got to have respect for your people. I mean, it is a people's business. And Tiger Ridley, who was a big businessman, and uh, he was a premiership player, and he's a coach of Melbourne. When you first turned up to Melbourne, he was he was an elder statesman. He always used to speak about respect in footy clubs, and I and that's how it looked at me that they didn't respect their people in this whole process. And I think they'll eventually come to terms with that and understand that that's what they have let themselves down with. I, you know, I'm not disputing that Teague had to go. I mean, that's something for the internals. And uh, there's plenty of people say he could coach and plenty of people say he can't coach. And that is always the way. But if you're going to dismiss a coach, you've got to do it. So he walks out of the place with his head held high. And, and even how, just, how did
5: they miss that, Joe? I heard Luke Sayers say, you know, it's a shame if that's how David feels. Well, he should know how David feels.
4: Well, exactly. I mean, this has been going on for a long period of time. And and ultimately, I've said this before, if you're going to dismiss the coach, he should have been dismissed four weeks ago and and given, you know, a graceful exit. Not to have a process and a document that says 30% of people said this and 23% of people said that. David Teague has made a a decent contribution to that club, both on and off the field. As a player, he's a best and fairest winner. As a coach... You know, he, he wasn't... He didn't achieve greatness as a coach, but, I mean, he 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 stepped up when they needed someone to step up. But they gave him an opportunity, and it wasn't a success. But to send him out the way they did, I thought was uh, the disappointment of the week. So
1: it's hard to... I find it hard to form any other view than when Luke Sayers commissioned the report on June 12. He knew that he was sacking David Teague. And it looks like this fancy review done to sack the coach. Despite the fact the knee, that the... he took the knees out from under David Teague on June 12th, yep. having done his little assessment with some players in Sydney, and everything else has sort of been running to this week. But nothing else happened. Yeah, I wouldn't
4: think that that's the end of the story, to be honest. Mm. I don't think that they could go in swinging and uh, have three or four heads rolling down the aisle in the one hit. I'd be surprised if uh, there aren't more changes at Carlton. Um, but I think his biggest mistake was probably going to Sydney initially, I mean pre-empting the review and it was no surprise to me that they played poorly following that game. You're talking about to, you go to Sydney the night before the game or two nights before the game you're interviewing a coach about his performance you're asking senior players about what you think the coach is up to. That's not the way you go about business and I, I think that he's been around a footy club long enough now Luke says, to, to know that but uh, it's the first time he's been in charge and I think he's uh, had a poor start
1: and he needs to you know, learn from this. Kane, you spoke with him this morning. What's, what were your impressions of the overall?
6: Well, it was interesting that he would, was willing to give up some information but not give up other pieces of information such as, yes, I've spoken to Ross Lyon for 45 minutes, but he wouldn't answer who else had been spoken when uh, he wouldn't even answer if he'd spoken to Alistair Clarkson. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I, I agree with everything that has just been said. However, the move to sack David Teague was the right one. They weren't AFL standard. Carlton this year and and Jordan would have done it and we did it and, Jared you would have done it on your show and and everyone have highlighted they weren't at AFL standard. And this was from early March through until the end of the year where they had 19 consecutive goals kicked on them against Port Adelaide. So, of course, it was going to end this way. It is the right move to move on from David Teague and the comparisons between Clarkson and Hardwick at the same stage are irrelevant because they were rebuilding. Carlton weren't. Their expectation with the list that they've had, was to play finals. And he couldn't get them to defend. There was a lack of development. And they just weren't up to the level. Like Some of the some of the clips were embarrassing. And that falls on the coach. But to your point, Jared, you know what's happening with list management? Because I guarantee uh, Williams is at 900. They got him as a midfielder. He's not a midfielder. Guarantee McGovern's been overpaid. I know we're going back a, a little way here. But Jack yep. Martin's not, not a million-dollar player. Like, all the decisions they've made. From, so what's happening with list management? What's happening with their medical... Um, situation because that's been as poor as anyone in the competition. So the flow-on effect can't just all be at David Teague, but in the end, the treatment was horrific. But the right decision was made.
4: Yeah, I don't dispute that. I think that uh, that's where it's all about process. I mean, he talked about process, 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 but ultimately they failed in the ultimate part of the process, and that was uh, to send your man out with some dignity. And I don't mm. think they they get a pass on that particular one. The list build, I'm with you, Kane. I think that uh, the list build. They gave themselves a tick. I think uh, that's a very questionable tick. I think there's been some serious mistakes made. Um, they've got salary cap issues. and uh,
5: Somewhere from further back, and I guess that's made it the, the complication. That's right, but
4: at mm. the end of... The uh, fact that
5: they can still afford Chera is the only thing that probably...
4: But I think Chera's asking price is significantly less yes. than what people yes, it are is, saying. Yeah. It's well, well and truly under the 750 that uh, Freeman offered him. He's coming back to Melbourne for all the right reasons. Yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed for him and Fremantle. That they're not going to live the journey together. But, I, you know, I can't walk in his shoes. And he's clearly got some family and uh, partner issues that he wants to uh, share in Melbourne. So that's good luck to him. And whoever picks him up is going to have a fantastic player. Would
1: you enter into a process at all with Carlton, knowing that it's Ross Lyon? Uh, you would have to be shockingly naive, I think, to step into any process with them. And not think, oh, by the way, Ross Lyons got this job. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: the the only thing... I I agree with both of these guys in Kane and and Jared. And the only thing that I would add to that is, in in essence, the easy part has been done so that the people that you don't want there aren't there. It's the people that are there that have seen all this unfold and the trust and the time that it takes to rebuild trust in a football club is immense. So if you're Carlton Football Club, don't think this, that this is going to happen overnight. You've treated your people poorly for a period of time. You've got people that are there that have seen the process take place who have lost unbelievable trust within the board, the administration, whoever it might be. So don't expect that, that people will hang around because it's Carlton Football Club. If there are people there that are, that are contracted, uncontracted, that haven't yet gone, and there's opportunities that arise they might go as well. So I, I don't think we've seen the worst of it, and I think they've got a lot of a lot of rebuilding to do in what has been an absolute disaster. And, and I agree, the right decision was made, but it's how you make it. Good clubs, mm. good, solid clubs with, with a high value on how they treat their people don't go through the process that they've gone through and do it the way that they did but it. But
5: if, Ro- if Ross comes in and does some sort of um, you know, renewal process or whatever, can he can he quickly change the environment and get the players to believe and put this beside or is, there, is it impossible to do that? Is that lack of trust in the club and all these other forces going to really stay with the playing It's group? been an environment for, for 10, 15 years, 20 years. We've seen multiple
3: coaches go through there, successful coaches go through there and the same thing has happened time and time again. So there's deep-rooted issues in this football club. that can't get fixed by one person coming in and in Ross' line with some seniority and, and some experience in the game, that won't fix it. There's so much damage that's been done to the people that are still there.
1: If there was a, a coaching hopeful that sidled up to you, Jared, privately and asked, should I put myself forward for Carlton, would you say yes or would you say, mate, it's a boat race?
4: Well, I'm not even sure why they're going and using this issue of process. Clearly, the process is we're going to interview Ross we're going to understand exactly where he wants to take our footy club. And if that marries up, well, then we're going to appoint Ross Lyon. And in, in Ross, we trust. I mean, suggesting that you're going to go and interview two or three other people, I think is uh, is fanciful. They weren't going to interview and go down a process if Clarko said, I'm coming. They were going to appoint Clarko, as they should have done. And I think that Ross, whilst he hasn't got the premierships, he's got the pedigree uh, that... There's one person you interview at the top. And if he says, yes, we're going, it's Ross Lyon. And I don't think anybody believes that uh, there'll be anybody other than Ross coaching that footy club, whether they want to, you know, pretend they're doing a process or not. The process is we're going to
1: interview Ross. Yeah. And if Ross says yes, that's the process. So why pedal exhaustive process? Not sure. What, 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 why do that, Kane? Why not just say we'll work out what's best for the footy club and we'll make that decision.
6: Yeah, it's, it's political, isn't it? I mean, they, they want, after making so many mistakes with coaches that they have selected, they want to be seen to be having a thorough process. Uh, we know that that isn't going to be the case. Uh, are they even going to have a selection panel? I mean, I asked Luke Sayers this morning, is, is Brad Lloyd and is Kane Little going to be on the, on the selection panel? It would be unusual if the CEO and footy manager wasn't on one, and he, he couldn't answer that yet. So... Yeah, that that will be interesting. I I do liken it a little bit to the Adelaide review because Pavlich and Dunstall did that review. It was similar. Initially, Pike and Burton were moved on, and then six months later or a few months later, the CEO was moved on. I'd I'd be pretty nervous if I was Kane Little still.
5: Uh, the off-field side of things, the finances have been have yeah. been a positive. That's the same but, at Adelaide, though. Yeah, a bit of a different... The history's a bit different, though, with Carlton, given where they were. But he did say, uh, at the moment, there's no changes. And then it's like, well, we're going to get Brad Lloyd and, and Kane Little to put this into place. That
1: wouldn't give you enormous confidence if you're either of those two, I wouldn't have thought. So the Carlton scenario as it stands, we'll have a look into the all-Australian... Side of things coming up on AFL Nation as we look towards Port Adelaide and Geelong in the second qualifying final. Qualifying final night, Port Adelaide and Geelong. AFL Nation is for Beaumont Tiles, win tiling products for a year. Iconwin.com.au. The other major talking point is out of last night: the wingers of the AFL need to unite. <laughs> they need to form a posse within their own union. Yep. They need picket lines. They need strike threats. Because the wings, Jared Healy, simply don't exist. They don't,
4: unfortunately. And uh, Mitch Robinson, two years ago, he responded with an unbelievably uh, good article in the... I'm not sure what uh, outlet it was, but uh, it might have been the AFL website. And he just enunciated what the role of the wingman is. And sometimes a 15-possession game on the wing is an unbelievably good game. And the problem with the wingman is... They are compared to the numbers that some midfielders get. And if they're going to be comparable, uh, compared, they're not going to win that battle. So I think uh, in talking to one of the selectors during the week, there probably needs to be a little bit more um, prescription around what you do. Do you, do you necessarily pick two Ruckman? I always thought you should pick two Ruckman. If there's not another one that's of all Australian quality, it has to be at least a second Ruckman. So you've got this game, and I think you need to at least pick one wingman. And so, unfortunately, this is team. all it is. It's,
5: it's, it's not the best 22 players, is it, in the no, competition? That,
1: that argument, or who would you leave out? No, 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 that's not it. You have to include one winger. Yep. There has to be the acknowledgement that this is a position that exists in the game. So there's a subset of players of which somebody is the best at it. Mm. And they simply have to be part of it. Yes, and I don't think uh, whilst whilst he might have started out there,
4: you know, ten or twelve percent of the time, but I don't think that qualifies him. And ultimately, there has to be a wingman. I thought Seisman, he came up in the champion data as the number one. I think McLaughlin has had two fantastic years. He was in the middle, yeah. uh, for a lot of uh, his good games this year. So maybe he wasn't as good. But uh, gee, if you're a wingman, I think they need. I think they need to demonstrate. I think they need to revolt, and uh, somebody at the AFL needs to. I think. Who could they get for the past year to just be the you know, leader of Mick the, Turner? <laughs> Mick Turner. <laughs> yeah.
1: And well, Doug Hawkins yes. took to the barricades, Kane, this morning. He did,
6: he did, yeah. I'm a, I'm a little bit torn on the. I come from a, from a bit of a different angle. I, I, Sam Walsh can play wing, and he can do it better than Paul Seizman can play, I think. And Zach Merritt, if you put him on a wing, could have an all Australian season as a, as a wing. So I'm a. I'm a little bit torn because I I think Walsh and Merritt both are so deserving to be in the side, and I understand it. But they could have been on the side. They
4: could have been on the bench. They could have,
6: but then you've got to leave Took Miller out, and I don't want to leave him out, and you've got to leave Nick Nat out. So uh, the easiest position to make the All-Australian team is a Ruckman. Like, like Max Gorn's got five ruckmen. That's nothing against Max. There's there's probably only six Ruckmen that can make the All-Australian team as we start the year. There are probably 25 midfielders that can make it. So... If you do that to the wing, I mean, you're going to get two spots out of you know, probably 10 players that legitimately play wing every week. So it's really difficult as the game has evolved. We're more looking at groups of 10 midfielders rather than segregating the positions of the actual midfield.
4: But somebody like a Mitch Robinson, I think, I think 10 wingmen is unders. Most clubs have got some significant wingmen. Well, I've heard the argument about Amon. Amon's not wing.
6: Amon doesn't play wing. No, he's been inside Amon, now. Yeah. He's, he's,
4: in, he's yeah. inside. So, but he was, wasn't he? He
5: Was a wingman. No, he, but not this year. No, so it, you can't. You
6: can't pick him in the Austra- no, Australian. No, no, no. I'm not, no, I'm not saying this year. I no. heard that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so who's played? Who's genuinely played wing? Uh, Brayshaw. Is, is Brayshaw had a good enough. No, he hasn't had a good enough year to make. It. There's not that
4: many genuine wingman. It's well, a, Langdon's it's a played wing a lot and Langdon is a wingman. I think he's been an outstanding player. I think season's been outstanding. Well, as a wingman, yes. I mean, uh, Isaac Smith. Isaac Smith has had a fantastic year and, and the trouble we get is we, we sort of compare their numbers and we feel they haven't had all Australian years because they don't dominate the voting but half the time all they're doing is running up and down the ground stopping exit kicks. Jordan, you've played a little bit on the wing. Uh, you've seen the roles that they have played. It's almost impossible to have an all-Australian year via what is seen in the media. If you, the ball's not out there, and all you're doing is blocking exits. Uh,
3: absolutely. Um, I think it's it's similar to the lockdown defender. I mean, you look at the defence. It's it's either intercept markers or players who are more offensive than actually being a, a lockdown defender on arguably the best small forward of of the opposition. We don't tend to see that. The typical back pocket um in the all australian side it's a it's a sexy all australian side it, it, it is reliant on a lot of numbers um but you're right the, the winger that that role internally probably gets recognized more so than any other role because it is a selfless role it, it is a role that you know that if you play you might not get the accolades externally but certainly the
5: inside stuff is is needed what about jake stringer david king said it was the biggest oversight in years he missed four games, didn't play the first two, missed four overall. He's back half. He's since round 14 off the charts. So how do you the, judge that? that? That is the question that how much of the first part of the
3: year weighs in on the conversation compared to the, the back end and, and, and the Jake Stringer
4: argument because he was arguably the best player in the competition for, for two months. Yeah, it was a really tough one. I felt for the selectors uh, because every game is equal in the eyes of uh, God and the selectors. Uh, it's just that some <laughs> games are more equal than others. And those games at the end of the, uh, the end of the season tend to carry more weight just simply because they're uh, front and centre. And that's why they meet at the halfway mark. And they will write down, if they did it as they uh, once did it, they'll write down the certainties and the likelies. So you do come back and you've got some memory and some record as to who it is and it's why you can access champion data uh, game by game, um, week by week performance numbers, which gives you another indicator. So it was a surprising omission.
6: Take me inside the room. Um, The other argument I've heard is that how much the clubs have a role. Travis Boick wasn't included in the squad because Port Adelaide didn't nominate him. Did you, as a selector for such a long period, take any notice of the club recommendations?
4: Well, you definitely take notice because sometimes they'll put up a player that, like a wingman that hasn't sort of been highlighted and heroed through the media. And therefore you say, well, you take notice of that. But there were a couple of times where players, and there was one really notable uh, inclusion, uh, got selected and, and the club didn't nominate him and they weren't ov- actually overly happy when he got named. Wow. what was uh, that, yeah? probably best uh left <laughs> well, but sorry. he was a serious contra- a serious performer when the brownlow medal came uh, was voted so right um yeah i mean i think the inside I- i'd be surprised if they didn't pick somebody because the clubs didn't nominate him if he was a standout mm, the other
6: really difficult thing is particularly with the wing role if you're not at the ground
4: yeah you don't see, don't a lot see of it, it yeah
6: so the last two years to pick the All-Australian team, particularly with a wingman, you are going a lot off numbers more so than what you're seeing on game day.
3: Uh, do you think that needs to change? Because a lot of players have All-Australian bonuses in their contract. Yep. So you could, you hope not, but there would be certain instances that a club might not nominate a, a certain player because of the bonus
4: in their contract. Well, you, if you're a wingman and your manager gets <laughs> a bonus for the All-Australian, <laughs> you need a new yeah. manager. Tell me, yeah. you, you've seen uh, Langdon better than most. Yep. Was Langdon in All-Australian Can oh, I think at, at, the, at the halfway mark he was.
3: Yep. Uh, I, I think he had a quiet patch um, after that and, and then probably hasn't um, reached the numbers or the influence at, at the back half of the season. But certainly if this was selected halfway through the year, he would have to be in there as a, as a woman.
5: Just a shout-out for Flight Centre. Win big with Flight Centre. Five years of holidays big. When we can travel again... <laughs> ah, where will you go? For your chance to win, head to flightcenter.com.au forward slash
1: win. Very quickly, Kane. should Travis Boak have been in? Uh, in the squad, not in the team. Okay. You can't get involved on AFL Nation across the weekend on the open line thanks to Southern Phone. Simplify your life with Southern Phone mobile plans. Switch to Southern Phone. And go to bed, Freddie Lewis.
4: <laughs> Freddie Lewis? He's listening. Okay. <laughs> He's just dirty. You uh, <laughs> had the fish and chips from Tommy's. <laughs>
1: Should we name the squad? Kane or just get straight to the 22? That was the other um, issue that was raised during the week. Oh,
6: I, look, I, I, I think I don't mind it because it's, it's another week of debate. I, you, you need a bit longer to debate it than a couple of days when the, the team's name. It's a, it's a commercial thing. It gets the sponsor's name mentioned for another week more so than just naming the team. So it, it, it's only been reasonably recent, perhaps the last um, 13 years that it's happened. I'm
4: okay with that. Do players get bonuses if they make the squad versus make the team? No? I don't think so. No. That's where they
1: should go, the managers. <laughs> you are Listening to AFL Nation. Second qualifying final nights at Adelaide Oval, Port Adelaide and Geelong coming up on AFL Nation. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson to call it for you. Jared Healy, Jordan Lewis, and at the ground, Kane Corns. How's it building up, Kane? With uh, twenty thousand allowed in. Lights
6: are on. Uh, Geelong players out there doing their um, just shots for goal. Pretty relaxed sort of first warm-up. There's a staggered start, so when you get your tickets, you're told what time you're said to arrive. So I reckon there'd be about 3,000 in the house at the moment. The rest will arrive shortly in staggered intervals.
1: Kane will uh, build the atmosphere for us as we get closer to a start. We've got Chris Davies who's going to join us shortly from Port Adelaide. We'll scan to the other three finals shortly as well and set those up but uh, just before Chris Davies joined us we're talking the awards of the week the other one was the coaches award last night which was just like the Brownlow is entirely dominated by midfield so midfielders so if we take our guide from the coaches as to who the most significant players are who fulfill the brief week in week out who drive the result then they are Oliver, Bontempelli, Wine, Steele, Miller, Walsh, Merritt, Petrarca and Parrish. And Laird is at 10, so you can debate how much midfield he is. And then Nat Nui's at 11 is the first sign of anything else.
4: It makes a nonsense of the criticism of the Brownlow that yeah. it's a midfielder's medal. I mean, every medal is a midfielder's medal. And the people that criticise the Brownlow for being a midfielder's medal... Aren't midfielders. Well, they're not. But when they <laughs> give votes on uh, Friday night and Saturday night, uh, they give them to midfielders most mm. of the time because it's a midfielder's game. Everybody's a midfielder, save for about six people on the ground.
3: Yeah, i do. Sorry, you go, Kane.
6: I do like the the best and fairest. That's, that's where, like Dylan Grimes, wins the best and fairest last night. So that, at least the coaches of their own teams are recognising. But you're, you're right. It, you could go further, Jared. I think it was Ruckman before you got to anyone. Anyway, there was about two non midfielders, and they were Ruckman yep. in the top thirty of the coaches' votes. It's, it makes it tough. If yeah. you had
4: to pick one defender, Kane, and he and they had the uh, Danny Frawley Medal for the best defender, who would you pick? Oh, that's a question without
6: notice. Uh, May or lever, I reckon
3: for yep. me this year. Yeah, that, that's why I'm, I'm staggering away that the coaches' votes are so midfield dominant because they do they know they, the roles. They, they do get lodged. Yep. on a Monday, I think mm-hmm. so. They've got time to review the game, watch it intricately, understand the roles, understand if there was an opposition player shutting down a forward of theirs. Now yep. that might be hard to give votes out, but. You do have a better understanding on who plays well. I can understand the Brownlow being because you've got to lodge the vote straight away. So players who get uh, either kick a, a massive bag of goals or have uh, a high possession rate can clearly stand out. But the coaches' vote should have, I, I think, more diversity within the playing group. But Kane's right that the best and fairest is always a good indication on how 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 valuable defenders are,
4: which which is why it's. I think that there's a greater role for taggers. And if you compare two of the best midfielders, if Paddy Dangerfield gets 30 tonight and Travis Boat gets 30 and they're notionally against each other, they cancel each other out. Your your great gets 30, our great gets 30. But if you've got a bloke who's incapable of getting 30 and he goes on the danger field like Mark O'Connor, let's say Mark O'Connor is incapable of getting 30 and he probably doesn't get a game unless he drags somebody back down to his level well, your average player's dragged a great player down to an average level. That's a win. Yeah. And yet 30 v 30 is, is essentially just uh, a neutral. So this is why I'm surprised that we don't see more people uh, playing that role. And if you've got somebody like our co-host here tonight, Kane, who can get his 30 as well as being a tagger, I mean, then you're reversing the roles and you're getting a double win. Now, Drew, to me, is one of the Port Adelaide's most... Uh, important players because he sucks the life out of one of the really gun midfielders. And I'd hate for be a midfielder tonight and Drew lines up on you.
6: Yeah, you, you, um, I, was, I read the voting criteria for Richmond's best and fairest. So it's, it's zero to five um, and you're rewarded on your, F, your offensive pursuits, your defensive pursuits and the critical contests in the game. I mean, all coaches reward it differently but that's a pretty good summary isn't it so what what have you done offensively how's your defensive game and what have you been like in the big moment when you've got to win a footy you know which is what finals footy is all about so I do like their voting system and it opens it up to everyone
1: will we get to Brownlow night from here thinking that the winner comes from Oliver Bontempelli wines
4: uh, I'd be surprised if it's not one of those three, years. Well, it shouldn't
1: change
5: from here, should it, Jared? It often does. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Someone plays well in a final <laughs> and
1: their dramatic shorteners and the
5: like. Who's Melbourne's most important player, um. do you think? Most important? For um, three, either them or for the opposition?
3: Uh, if I was lining up against Melbourne, I'd, I'd be going to Oliver. Mm. Yeah, I, I think... He's changed his game in terms of he's an inside player, but he's got that burst. Of, he's always had that burst of speed, but now he's been able to use that and understanding how he how he uses that. So his burst from stoppages has been quite damaging this year. Um, so he, he would be the number one. I think it's it's probably the forward line for me. I think every other line in the Melbourne side is, is well-structured and, and consistently performing at a high level. But the, the one question mark will always be how the forward line Operates, and I think Tom McDonald
5: plays a big part in that. Getting back to your Brownlow, it'll be interesting. Bontempi's votes in the in the
1: back six to eight weeks will be mm. really interesting, won't they? So he's going to have to have a big lead, isn't he? No, well, notionally, unless he, there's the odd year Sometimes where you someone you just still grab a couple of votes somewhere that yeah. Yeah. are completely unexpected, and no. that's enough. No such uh,
4: specialty as momentum, I think, with the uh, with the Brownlow. If you can just snag the two when you've only had an average game. Well, that's a winner. But, uh, I mean, Clayton Oliver, he had a quiet four- or five-week patch, as Melbourne did, but he's flown home. It, uh, he's had a fantastic year. Uh, I'm interested whether where you have Stephen May in your most important Melbourne players because, yeah. I mean, Oliver is one of half a dozen midfielders. He's clearly, to me, just a chick in front of Petrarca at the present time, or I think we should see more as a mid-forward. As a pure mid, Oliver's got him well and truly covered, but... I think they'd find it more difficult to replace a Stephen May than just about anybody else on the deck.
3: Yeah, I, I think Stephen May becomes really important if you're coming up against a Hawkins or a Dixon. Mm. I, I think with when he was out of the side and Harrison Petty was able to take the the second key defender, if you like. Um, it, it wasn't too bad, but it, it comes it comes more important when you play those two players. Even when I was going through, through our period, Brian Lake was that player, yeah. yet he wasn't... The most important player throughout the home and away season, but certainly when it
4: came to finals, he was the most important player because of Tom Hawkins, one of the all-time great Norm Smith medals, medalists at eighty to one on the Thursday.
1: <laughs> 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 Some things stick in the mind, don't they, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just—it just, was a highlight. And, uh, do
4: you reckon we weren't cheering him on for another <laughs> intercept?
1: And um, so. We're getting our first shots inside the rooms of uh, the Cats and Port Adelaide as they're going to open this final series once more. And the other, uh, the awards of the week were the uh, was the Hall of Fame where Debbie yep. Lee became the first female to be inducted and uh, opens the way, opens the way for yep. another gender in the Hall of Fame, which has been ignored for too long.
4: It was fantastic to listen to Debbie Lee's story. I've uh, run into her a couple of times and had no idea just uh, how much of a pioneer she was, so that was great to sit down and learn about uh, her role in bringing this game to where it's at at the present time. I was rapt to see Robbie Wiley get uh, nominated because, I mean, people my age would uh, remember Robbie Wiley as a two-time, uh, or, or as a couple of years at Richmond, won a flag, won a BNF. But he won eight best and fairest. I think he won six in his first year. uh, Six in his first six years for Perth. He was a fantastic state of origin player. I think he kicked ten goals three times in his first year. You interviewed him. I'm not sure if the story uh, got fully uh, uh, elaborated on. But uh, he was a fantastic player.
1: And then Chris Judd. So (laughs) reliving those highlights (laughs) of how he was at the start for West Coast. That was the most gobsmacking moment, I thought. Just a... How electrifying that he was. game in Brisbane! We he see had that once a on round, I reckon. Now he was doing yeah. it twenty times a game. Mm. Yeah, did, my, did you ever play on him, Kane?
6: <laughs> yeah, I, it, he was. He doesn't get enough. So you saw all that, Jared, and I said during the week he doesn't get enough credit for how tough he was as well. Like he he was a genuine. Like so, he wins Clayton Oliver type contested footy as well. But then you get the outside brilliance. And have you ever seen anyone run at speed and be able to grab the ball? below their knees like him. I, I don't think I can. I i said, you know, Gary Ablett and Chris Judd are the two most complete players I've played in because you usually if you come up against an opponent, they've got some sort of weakness. They're either not inside, they're all outside or, you know, they don't have a massive tank or they don't have speed. There's usually something you can pinpoint. I never could find anything with Judd or Ablett because they were so aerobic. They were so fast and powerful. They could both go forward and hurt you on the scoreboard. Ablett more so than the rest. So they are just a nightmare to prepare for do you think we
3: talk um, sorry kate we, we talk about stringer and batraka and those striker type players w- was that mm. was that judd he was
6: more he more kicked his goals from the midfield um and i think he was a bit more when i say i'm gonna say honest i don't know if it's the right way he, he didn't necessarily so i think martin and stringer and these players they 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 semi sniff the ball and it's they give they're given a bit of a license to do that Judd didn't go until he knew his team had it. Uh, I think, I'm just watching Stringer recently, he, he goes a couple of seconds before he's fully aware that his team is going to win it, and you got you got to cheat a little bit, and I think he's doing it really smartly. I think Judd was more honest than that, and he kicked his goals more so from the midfield. I reckon these guys, Martin and Stringer, are kicking their goals more so forward or resting forward.
4: I think when you look at midfielders, we you know there's great midfielders who are every year, but this bloke was more turbocharged than any yeah, other midfielder yeah. I ever saw. I mean, yeah. it was the turbo that set him up over and above just about uh, any of the other midfielders that were looked at ballistic. I just saw Nick Hind, a highlight of Nick Hind coming off the back flank, and we think he's ballistic. But he's in third gear compared to Judd, and Judd yeah. had the ball 35 times, went forward,
1: kick goals. I mean, he's a freak of a player. A shout-out for Rainbird. They have Adelaide Oval in pristine condition for tonight's match. Rainbird, smarter irrigation, the intelligent use of water. And if you want your chance to win a product pack from Rainbird, head to their Instagram for details. Let's head to Adelaide Oval. Chris Davies is the Port Adelaide GM of footy. Chris, great to have you back on AFL Nation.
2: No worries. Thanks, Jared.
1: How how big a night is it? So we're, we're looking at it from afar. Chris, what's the build-up like for you?
2: No, it's obviously significant. You know, it's a fantastic opportunity for us to, um, to take another step within the competition. You know, we thought we did pretty well throughout the, uh, the minor round, but this is where it starts. How's Ken? Uh, right from the start, he said,
6: we're, we're aiming to win it. There was questions, and I think right, rightly there were questions, CD, uh, halfway through the year with your record against the top eight. So that, that's gone now. That's evaporated. You're, you're as well set up as anyone. Does he get nervous, and, and how's the coach feeling?
2: Oh, look, he's, he he can get nervous, Kane, as you well know. Um, but he's a he's a pretty cool customer. Uh, um, you know, he's been uh, he's certainly felt like our group has been building to this moment. So uh, I know he thinks that you know he's going to coach a team that has the capability to to take some further steps within the competition. It's now up to the the guys to get out there and, and get the job done. Midfield's going to be fascinating.
6: We've spoken a lot about Geelong's forward line. I, I'm not sure you, you match up, against them perfectly Mackenzie will go to Hawkins how confident are you that he'll get that job done
2: oh we're, look we're, we're confident that all of those guys you know as a as a back six um, have got their work cut out for them and we know that they're going to have to be good enough to get the job done obviously you know we, we also think that pressure up the ground is going to be equally as important you know I'm not sure that there's too many players in the competition who can cope with um, Geelong's forward line if, if the ball's coming in, um, you know, to our um, defensive area one-on-one with, with our defensive group spread. So, you know, that's going to be part of the challenge that we've got today. It's something that on the most part we think we've done well, you know, for the majority of the year, but we certainly know that um, Geelong have some serious threats in their forward half.
4: Chris, Georgiades is a terrific young player, a bit stiff not to get the Rising Star Award, but uh, for I've got a fascination with your tall forward versus the other options. If he had been available, would you have got, would you have gone with the four uh, at the expense of one of your smalls, like a Fantasia or a Motlop, or heaven help us, Robbie Gray? Though I, I think
2: he'd be uh, in. But uh,
4: <laughs> would would you have gone tall or small? Uh.
2: That's a that's a very good question. I'd prefer not to contemplate Robbie out. But um, <laughs> look, I, I, you know, would have would have definitely been a discussion. I know that you know the coaches. Um, for all intents and purposes throughout the middle of the year almost fell into the the four taller players as much as anything because we had so many of our smaller players who were injured at the time so that was out of necessity and then we we got on a roll and started to play some reasonable footy you know when George artists is back which would probably be you know he'll be available in some capacity next week Mm -hmm. you know we're lucky enough to have an snfl game if um you know if we're good enough to win tonight for him to play in but Um, it would have been a decision that they would have made having to balance up the the potential for us to to play that second ruck or, um, you know, I guess uh, Charlie to do that and potentially, you know, one of the other taller guys go out. But um, I guess it's a good problem to have. I think for tonight, you know, it's going to be really important for those small forwards to to buzz around and get at Charlie and Todd's and and Peter Laddams' feet and, and get the job done. Chris, I think it's the
3: challenge of the coaching staff and everyone involved, as well as players, to get the team and everyone playing their best football at the right time of the year. It seems to be like that for Port Adelaide at the moment. Does it Does it feel like that around the change rooms?
2: Oh, Jordan, it certainly felt like that throughout the year, to be honest. You know, we we were, as Kane said earlier, I mean, we, we were criticised at various points this year for not playing our best footy at the midpoint of the year and, and I think that you know, great credit to Ken uh, and our people at the time is we we're, were asking for a little bit of patience through that period um, because we thought the we were building you know towards the end of the year and, and we've been fortunate that we have got some players back you know firstly to have you know um, butters dersey uh, Rosie you know coming back into the team obviously um, Fantasia tonight certainly adds uh, a different dimension to our guys but I don't think there's any doubt that over the last three or four weeks we felt like we were getting our group back together and starting to play some better footy. Um, We felt like we performed pretty well last week, albeit that, you know, we had to come from a little way back. We we felt like we controlled large parts of that game, so our challenge is going to be to impact the scoreboard. But I think you're right, Jordan, the the, the challenge for us right now and every team in the finals, for that matter, is to be playing their best footy, um, you know, in in the final series. To all Australians, uh, Wines and and a
3: player you you got over the off-season, did you... Did you envisage him having such an impact as,
2: as he's had this year in Aliyah Look, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that um, we thought he'd be in the spot that he is. You know, we, we felt like that our game style suited him and that he would, you know, have, I guess, um, a greater impact with us than probably he was having, you know, at Sydney. But at the same time, I think he's been fantastic. You know, Ken acknowledged um, both Ollie and Aliyah before the game here in our team meeting just gone. Yeah, you know, for Carl Amon to be in the squad was a fantastic thing as well. So, yeah, I certainly acknowledge that those two guys have done fantastically well to make the All Australian team for the first time. Um, but as you know, you know those awards come largely uh, because of the team around you as well. And I, I know that both Owen and Alier are really pleased that they're playing in a team that's you know going okay. And uh, was
5: it your job to nominate the players from Port Adelaide uh, who would be up for selection? And has Travis Boak started
2: talking to you again since? <laughs> I didn't know that the selectors would need to, you know, look at Travis Spoke running around. I think most of us have seen him for the last 12 or 13 years. I mean, Look, I think that um, uh, I think Ken addressed it pretty well at the start of the week, which saying that I think he's, he's highlighted the players that probably haven't made it previously, but Travis is one whose record and whose presence on game day should probably speak for itself. Chris, it uh, changes quickly, but what have you
6: been told beyond this week? Are you, you're staying here in the likelihood of a, a final here next week if you lose, hopefully you win, and the prospect of a home prelim final. What have you been told?
2: Yeah, well, look, we're preparing for, for our next final, whether it be you know, uh, next week, and obviously, clearly, we're hoping that's not the case, but if it's the prelim, that it's in Adelaide. Um, we obviously qualified in second spot. Um, you know, we've got 20,000 people here. I imagine that you know, in a, in a week or two's time, um, there'll be an extension of the, the crowd capability here. So, right now we're preparing to to stay here until we um, hopefully have to leave um, for the last game of the season. But um, you know, right now, you know, that takes a back seat to trying to get the job done tonight. Chris, good luck for tonight. Thanks a lot. Good on you guys, thank
1: you. Chris Davies, the General Manager of Footy at Port Adelaide. Join the REAM AFL Footy Tipping League at tipping.sen.com.au and win big weekly and grand prizes. The all-new Hyundai Tucson is here and it's loaded with comfort, driving and safety technologies, meaning you can drive with total confidence. It's no wonder Tucson's been awarded Car Sales Best Mid-Sized SUV Award for 2021. Test drive the all-new Hyundai Tucson today. You're listening to AFL Nation. Port Adelaide Angelong will settle in to build up these finals in a few minutes time. The pregame show for Beaumont tiles and the warm-ups are about to transpire for Ream installer. Ream Australia's favourite in hot water. Jared, you had a lengthy chat with Graham Wright from the Magpies last night. What do you make of Collingwood's scenario? Well, can I firstly say, what have I
4: made of Graham Wright? And you just listen to Graham Wright, and people talk about getting all the pillars in place. Well, I think Collingwood have got a pillar in place. I mean, Graham Wright's got great in, a great uh, pedigree with Hawthorne, and I think just talking to him last night, uh, you, I think you'd be really happy if Graham Wright turned up at your footy club as your footy manager. Um, I think they're in no hurry to appoint a coach. I think they've got two or three others. Maybe they're waiting for the finals to uh, wash out to just make sure that there's somebody doesn't uh, get spat out of the finals. Um, And I think that's a pretty smart way of going about it. Uh, I think they know pretty much that they're in for a fairly significant rebuild. Um, And I I felt, listening to Graham Wright, that the club is in good hands. I mean, there is this nonsense going on behind the scenes. That needs to be sorted out. And the big heads at the top of the tree need to just put all their egos away and just get the thing done for the betterment of Collingwood because... I think under Graham Wright and whoever the coach is, they've got uh, a chance to rapidly go forward.
1: They've got the, the next day costs that they've committed to, yep. as we well knew. Is What do you think will happen with Mason Cox? I think Mason will end up somewhere else. I think Mason probably
4: needs to uh, get used to the idea he's not going to be on five or 600. It's probably going to be more like 200-plus uh, incentives if he plays. But I still think as a second ruckman forward, there's an option if the ball comes in quickly. Would you put an All-Australian clause in his contract, Jared, or not (laughs) squad?
1: (laughs) No, I'd go with an uh, (laughs) All-American. Very good. We will settle in for Port Adelaide and Geelong and give you a taster of the other three finals across this weekend. Coming up on AFL Nation, the all-new Hyundai Tucson is here and it's loaded with comfort driving and safety technologies, meaning you can drive with total confidence. It's no wonder Tucson's been awarded Car Sales Best Mid-Sized SUV Award. For 2021, Test Drive, the all-new Hyundai Tucson, today. Port Adelaide and Geelong coming up. Teams as selected, Sam Pepper, and Sean Higgins are the medical subs tonight. So the Cats are out on Adelaide Oval. Kane Corns, what's the scene? Magnificent,
6: Jared. Beautiful night for football, as I just said. Dom Cassisi, former captain, just kicked the first goal to get things underway. The umpires came out, then the Cats to large boos from the Port Adelaide crowd, but... They look excited at finals footy. It's a, it's a different beast. You just want your first touch. You want to settle the nerves. And great coach of mine, Phil Walsh, always said, just get some body contact as early as you can in finals, be it a tackle, a bump. You just want to feel like you can dust yourself off and, and you're involved. And that's what the players will be trying to insert themselves on and, and make their presence felt early on in this game.
1: The Walmart Pareem installer, Australia's favourite in hot water. Before we delve right into this, uh, to set us up for the, the next three games, a glance there, Hutto.
5: Yes, uh, let's start with uh, the, the Sydney Derby. Sydney, of course, two changes. Warner and Bell come in. The, the big out is Mills, who is injured. Campbell's been omitted. Mumford Reed, and Tom Green really strengthened GWS. Briggs, Bruin, and Kennedy, along with Ahala, and are out there. Cornelio, last week's sub, uh, gets elevated into the main squad. How are we reading? this. To me, the strength, particularly with the injuries to Mills and Kennedy in the in the midfield for the Giants
4: I think will probably overwhelm the Swans. Well, that's the way it's reading to me, Hutto, but uh, you've got a couple of unbelievable X factors. One's Buddy Franklin, the other one's Isaac Heaney. Um, you've got... Uh, the forward pocket plumber, who uh, is now an All-Australian player, Papley. who getting kick into the score. midfield
1: too, isn't he? Well, he is, and I think that
4: uh, that can help. Uh, I'm a big fan of Chad Warners. He comes back into the side, hasn't played much footy uh, at senior level this year, but uh, he can really go. Ray Bottoms, a pretty good player through the middle. Parker is a star. He was stiff not to be in the All-Australian side again. But I just reckon they're in uh, red-hot form and around the ball, Jordan.
3: Yeah, I think so, and that's, that's their... Um, with, with those two plays out in Kennedy and Mills. That's the midfield dominance of, of GWS.
1: Kane, are you getting a side of Port?
3: Fireworks, Jared crowd's
6: going nuts. Travis Spoke and the crew out on the ground. Tom Jonas leading the boys out, but yeah, some sort of atmosphere. I mean, there's fireworks going off everywhere. 20,000 in the house, but as soon as that welcome music plays, the crowd goes nuts. We'll get it again with Never Tear Us Apart. It is one of the great grounds to watch footy live and that goes up a notch when there's so much on the line in finals.
4: Can Buddy can't kick eight, can he? He could kick eight, hello. Uh, he could absolutely kick eight. Uh, down at your ground, you're on the uh, call. <laughs> you're on alert, I believe, if he's got five to half time.
5: Sam Taylor looks like he can he can cope with Buddy to a degree, doesn't he? Yeah.
3: I think that's been one of the, um, the big improvements, is their, is their, def- their inexperienced defence have actually held up really well um but it's a it's a massive task with with franklin and and heaney and and papley is the small four to be able to contain all three it for the majority of the match is hard i mean it's, it's hard not to watch the screen and get goosebumps and um with the port adelaide song and the crowd Uh, Getting involved, you're right, Cone. It is a, a magnificent ground to play and to watch footy.
5: 15 minutes to the opening bounce. We'll get back to it in a moment. Saturday night, it's Melbourne and Brisbane. No change for Melbourne. Jordan likely to be the sub again. Harris Andrews and Mitch Robinson do return. Archie and Lester out injured and Matheson likely to be the sub once again. I've got a question on Melbourne. They've won everything this week. They had the dramatic emotional win at the end of last week. Is there the potential for a letdown on Saturday night?
3: Well, I think they can't overplay the achievements of the week with the f- upon the final series. So it's like what, speaking to Chris Davies before, you've got to touch on it. You've got to recognise uh, what they've been able to achieve throughout the year. But you've certainly got to put it to the back burner and say, hey, it's the individual awards are done and dusted. This is all about team success now. So well done. But... There are bigger things.
4: I reckon most of those guys got the building over in the West. They, uh, I think they've got... Uh, that would be... Uh, i think, still got scars. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they'd absolutely uh, know where they're at. Uh, this game is all about the number 90, Huddo. Put that in the memory bank, the number 90. Brisbane have won one game only this year if they haven't scored 90-plus. And Melbourne have conceded 90-plus just once this season. Nice. So if it's 90, it's a draw. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Are they a chance, Kane, Brisbane? Can you make a case for them? They were up at halftime pretty solidly when they met them last. They haven't really played any top eight teams, basically, have they, for the last uh, six or eight weeks?
6: No, you you can make a case, absolutely. But I just think you you go with the team who's got their game in the best order. And I think out of all the top four, Melbourne's game is in the best order. Jordan touched on their their forward line, which I agree with. But across the board, they're set up nicely. Would you believe tickets still available to that game? You imagine Melbourne fans hearing that in Melbourne, looking to... Watch their team play. There's still a handful of tickets available. There will be 20,000 here once again. But don't think the atmosphere will be as good as what it is right now and what we'll see tonight.
4: I'm looking forward to seeing if Chris Fagan goes the goes back to the well again with Jared Berry and McCluggage and say, OK, you're on Petrarca and you're on Oliver. Let's just see how you go against a bloke who may well uh, win the Brownlow medal in a few weeks' time and just turn this into combat. They can't rely on Lockie Neal. I think Lockie Neal is a bonus at this stage. He's—I uh, thought he was really good last week, but he's not—he's not your Brownlow medal form at the present time. He's more of a—he's uh, more of a blue-collar Lockie Neal. And if Melbourne were going to put somebody to stop uh, a gun, it would be Zorko because his form in recent time has been unbelievable.
5: So the Bombers without their hind leg, unfortunately, <laughs> um, with uh, Nick Hyde <laughs> out nice. of the team. Um, Played each other, we know recently they what smashed about
1: them. Jai Caldwell hasn't played since hasn't, round yeah, two. He's in,
5: has been tearing it up from all the old tearing it up on the track and then the scratch matches. We can, you can do that these days and hide a player away. Uh, so he comes straight back in. He was going to anyway come back in. Um, I believe. Uh, McDonald and Woody d- didn't come back, which is interesting in itself. We we, we watched the Bulldogs seven days ago. Um, can they? Was there enough in last week? Can they progress a step further and actually take it up to the Bombers or are you more on Essendon, Jared?
4: Well, Essendon's got their momentum and uh, the Dogs have lost all semblance of uh, their very best. And to think you're going to turn around in a week, I think, is a bit of a prayer more than an expectation. So it, the, the easy thing is to go for the momentum with the Bombers, but you just you just it's almost impossible to believe that the dogs who were on top of the ladder five weeks ago are going to tumble out with just one week uh, of finals.
3: Yeah, I think Heine is clearly a, a big out, but their ball movement from a total team point of view doesn't doesn't change. They miss a, a link play, but I still think that won't impact the way they move the ball. Launceston is a great ground for moving the ball. For me, it's the Essendon tools that could provide, like they did last time, but could provide
4: some some issues for the smaller type of defensive, the Bulldogs. Libba's a key for me. Libba just needs to get back to being Libba because at the present time, he started off as a tagger, cut his teeth as a tagger, he's being tagged. Well, if he gets tagged this week, go straight to Parrish, go straight to Merrick, get
1: yourself back involved. That's the setup for what lies in store for the remainder of the weekend. As- Want to witness the world's biggest football game?